Hello and welcome to Nested Folders, a podcast about how we work getting work done and fixing the rest up in post. I'm Scotty Jackson. With me as always is the wonderful Rosemary Orchard. Rosemary, hi, how are you? Scotty, I'm fine. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> Sorry, you sounded very sort of um, staccato a little bit there. I don't know. It, it, not like your actual like verbal pronunciation, but phrasing? I don't know. Maybe. It's okay. I don't know. I feel like... I feel like I'm in a spot where uh, I'm comfortable enough that I can just just do that, and that can just sort of be a norm. Um, yeah, and that can I'm be cool okay. with it. All right, well, and that's good, and that's hey, that's what I wanted to talk about today is um, is being cool with things. Uh, and what I mean by that uh, specifically today is I got asked by somebody, "Hey, what are your thoughts about working with other people in other time zones?" And I think that the question was geared around like. What apps could I use for that, or what's the um, best, you know, software solution for that? And my mind kind of went down this weird rabbit hole of, you know, actually, I think the best app for uh, working with other people uh, in general, regardless of time zone or not, is um, conversation and making agreements about things. And so I thought it would be interesting to talk about what agreements you have found to be helpful. Uh, in terms of uh, collaborating with others, whether that's, you know, different time zones or in different locations or just sort of in general and uh, what you make of that. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things that working with people who are outside of your norms is tricky because you, you have to there, – there are a couple of things that you have to do, which is like, first of all, understand and establish what are your norms and pass that information around. But mm -hmm. then you have to do the reverse and figure out, you know, like what's the normal for them? Because most of the time, for example, when we work together, um, you know, it's, it's my evening because, you know, that's the only time we can make it work unless I got up super early in the morning. Mornings, um, which I would be willing to do, but we need to, to figure that out. And there is only one way to do that. And that is with conversations. Right. Uh, because if, if we don't have conversations, then, you know, you might, you know, be like, oh, I can record this early in the morning. And I'm like, well, it, that's lunchtime and I'm in the office, so I can't talk to you then as much as I love you. I'm not doing a 30 minute run home to record a podcast and then go <laughs> back to work because that would take a couple of hours out the middle of my day and throw everything off um you know so we have to you know communicate with one another and communication is hard but we're, we seem to be doing all right i think i think so and i think i think going along with the communication too is actual like oh and i hate to use this word but documentation like take the time mm -hmm. to write it down so we say hey this time there is that time here and so for each other we're going to write down here's when i'm available uh, and here's what I'm not, because th these are these are sort of my working hours. And mm -hmm. I think it's also helpful to know um, what whether the people you're working with are uh, following like maker schedules or manager schedules. See previous mm -hmm. nested folders episode on maker and manager, uh, because I think that that has a big influence on how available and accessible someone might be in those time periods. Absolutely. And, you know, I, and also for me, like what I need to figure out is like, where can I be flexible and when, where can I not be flexible? Like, generally speaking, I am not willing to get up at three o'clock in the morning to record a podcast, generally speaking. Hmm. But 
you know, if that's the only time that David and I can schedule a guest over on automators, well, guess what? I, I'll I'll be flexible because I don't have kids. I don't have pets. I have me. Um, and I'll get up at three o'clock in the morning and record an episode of automators and then go back to bed and it's fine. Um, but, you know, you have to decide, like, what are you willing to do and what might you be able to make exceptions to do and what will you not do? And this is, of course, going to require trial and error. There is, mm-hmm. you know, no other way around it you know the only way that you can figure out you know whether or not that that would even occur to the other person to ask you to do is by seeing what happens you know see what pops up on a schedule um you know and talk to people again it all comes back to that communication problem um which you know sometimes i do wish that we just had like bots like marvin from hitchhiker's guide where you could just feed information in and he'd print out the answer on like a little piece of ticker tape uh, and you'd be like, okay, 42, that's it. Okay. Well, apparently he's been talking to deep thought, but you know. Don't even talk to me about life. <laughs> I, I think, I think though, as you have those conversations though, too, I think the other, the other neat um, thing to reflect on is like what communication channels you will even use and under what yes. circumstances. So like, mm. um, you know, what does, uh, what does the phone mean for everybody? Do we phone each other? Do we use instant messaging? Is there a messaging application? Do we use a forum? Do we, you know, comment back and forth to one another within Google Docs? Probably like a stack of many of these, um, mm-hmm. but taking the time to reflect on what works when and under yes. what sort of situations, then everyone kind of has a sense of, uh, I know how to talk to other people because that's how we do things around here. Yes. Um, And I found I've stolen this from Cortex, actually, like the idea of like, don't cross the streams. Okay, so you have different streams for different ways of communicating with people. So if you're communicating about a particular document, say, for example, our show notes, like we'll do that inside of the actual notes, like we, you know, we don't really talk to each other there, but we write things and the other person sees them and gets a notification that we've done something, Um, you know, and if we were going to be fancier, we could use something like Dropbox paper or Google Docs or whatever. Mm. Um, But, you know, at the moment, we're just happy with the document and we write stuff in there and the other person sees it. But that's really useful because this is then a, a dedicated stream for this piece of information. So in our case, for this particular show, but it might be, you know, for a particular proposal that you're working on together or a document that needs to be produced, whatever, but you've got a communication in one place. And then if somebody pings you on Slack afterwards, then you're like, okay, well, this is probably, you know, not related to that document. Or if it is, it's more of a generic thing or it's off the record uh, compared to something that's inside the document and therefore Uh. is on the record. And understanding, you know, like where that comes from is quite useful. And personally, I love the fact that if I open a document, like... The information about that is here. I don't need to go and hunt through six different Slack threads and check iMessage and look at my email before I can work on a show outline. It's all in one place. Um, And I would highly recommend that people working with other people, especially outside of your time zone, but also inside of your time zone, you know, (laughs) you consolidate your communication methods um, so that you know, like, this information is going to be found here. And that information is going to be found there because that is incorporating a person who doesn't use this particular platform. Therefore, we're resorting to email. (gasps) Shock horror. Um, You know, but figuring out things, you know, like what platforms are people on? What are they comfortable with? And incorporating those and using those. And sometimes it's okay to be like, no, we're going to do everything in Google Docs because sometimes you do just like somebody just needs to put their foot down and say like, 
we have like 15 other alternatives, but they're all really not very good. Like we should use this because this is the right tool. And that is part of, you know, making these agreements. Sometimes, you know, somebody does have to be maybe not forceful, but, you know, commanding, you know, take control and just say, like, let's do this. This is the right way to do it. Let there be a decider. Like lemmings, the rest of us follow in line. (laughs) Right. Uh, But then you build a ladder. Um, uh, As long as I don't go off a cliff, I'm all good. That's right. Uh, one of my favorite agreements that I've had with, with some teams, um, especially when having to use email as the fallback, I love that email is the fallback in your example. And it's like the, the worst case scenario is um, let's collectively agree on what a no response to an email means, right? Like, so for some teams, no response means send help. Like I, yeah. because we always acknowledge, okay, got it. Or there's a fairly immediate reply that says like, Hey, I don't know, but I'm working on it or something like that. Where with other teams, no response means like we have faith in one another that if someone is not replying to me right away, it's because they've got something more important to do and that that's okay. And that if it were really urgent, then, you know, we would have a conversation through some sort of other means. But I think it's, Mm. I think it's valuable to have like sort of a discreet conversation about like, if someone doesn't get back to you, um, what do you take from that or what do you read into that? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Because there, there's nothing worse than not understanding what a response or non-response means. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, this goes back to the communication. You need to speak each other's language. And if that language is, you know, like not replying to email, then you, you need to know that because otherwise you might be sitting there panicking. Or if you're me, no response to email for me generally means like, it's all good. It's been handled. Like, don't worry about it. I'll only reply if there's a problem or I need help. Um and I'm starting to learn that for some people, that's not the case. And <laughs> I should be following up on things more regularly to make sure that they're done. Because where I've been working, it's just a culture of, yeah, you send an email, it will get done. Right. Like, unless you hear otherwise, like, just assume it's done. Um, and, you know, it turns out not everybody works like that, but that's okay. That's true. And and I think uh, you, as you talk about things like speaking each other's language, I think it's important to um, not assume that you mean the same things with the same words all the time. Like, for example, one of the things that my team and I recently went through uh, as an exercise was documenting all of the um, states that a task or a project can be in, in, um, uh, in our task management system, in our shared project management system at work. And what we thought were, you know, maybe self-explanatory um, states, everyone had a bit of a different nuanced understanding of and so uh that was something that was really worthwhile to um document and explicitly define yes and that's just it you know documenting these things is good because by documenting it you're giving the other person an opportunity to look at it and review it and comment on it and say actually no uh let let's change this um and you know turn it into a collaborative thing where you know one person starts with it the other person adds to it and corrects it um and you know amends it um and you you come to an agreement and you know it doesn't have to be a legally binding signed in blood uh until death we die oath you know it's a working framework for how stuff will get done that's that's a really good point and i think um i think that that um often becomes a bit of a barrier uh to making agreements is this sometimes made assumption that like 
the way we define things is the way they must then forever be. And that's, that's not the case. I mean, anything that is the product of a decision, uh, especially when it comes to information management anyway, uh, can be undecided or decided in a new way later on. Um, certainly that could have, you know, ripple effects in terms of maybe some things that need to be managed in a different way. But, um, you know, when you, when you're defining terms, uh, you have some flexibility there in the future. Yes. Um, and, you know, sometimes it's it's good to make a point of going back and revisiting these things and reviewing them. You know, if you if you frequently get new people, um, you know, new new sheep in your flock, uh, for whatever this is, then that's a great time to do it because you're introducing this new person to it, and as 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 you explain it and walk them through it, or you know, as they look through it, you know, they might go, well why are you doing this? This is completely illogical. Like, mm. and either you can then go, actually, you know what, we should be changing this. Or you could explain, you know, well, actually there's the, this historical reason. And for this historical reason, we do actually need to keep it like that, but it's a good point. You know, thank you for, for bringing it up. Um, uh, and if you don't have that, then sometimes uh, a rubber ducky is a very good uh, inductee. <laughs> To these things where we, you can just, you know, induct an imaginary new co-worker to this stuff and review it. Because, you know, as with many things, going back and reviewing this stuff on a semi-regular basis, I won't say regular basis because that, that gives the implied, you know, for many people of weekly. And I, I kind of feel that for that mm. this sort of thing, that's probably overkill. Though in mm -hmm. some cases, you may find you need to review this stuff daily when you're getting started with it. Um but, you know, further down the line, you know, every month, couple of months, you know, half year or year even um, is fine. But, you know, just having a look at it and going, OK, like, is everything that we're doing here still relevant? Or do we need to have a meeting to maybe adjust things? Because it turns out, you know, like that we've been recording podcasts past my bedtime and I didn't discuss this with Scotty, but it, <sighs> it's causing a problem for me because I'm not getting enough sleep and we need to figure out something, mm. um, you know, like being aware that, you know, the channels of communication should always be reopenable. Um, yes. You know, they shouldn't ever be be locked and, you know, like sealed forever. Um, you should be able to go back and revisit these things and adjust stuff because, you know what, well, life changes. Um, and so therefore we need to, to be able to renegotiate these agreements and of how we work with other people as well to, to do that and to be right. successful. Yes. Yes. And, and I think making sure that the how we work conversation is is very well grounded in well, what matters to us and what are our collective you know priorities and objectives too right and having those kinds of agreements around like what we're even doing because that will have a very meaningful impact i think on how work occurs and mm -hmm. how work occurs is going to influence possibly some of those uh, priorities and objectives too so there's a really uh, kind of two sides of the same coin um cliche uh, about that sorry yes yeah um and you know that that's okay you know cliches can be a little bit fun from time to time so uh don't don't ignore them just because they are okay <laughs> thank you um <laughs> another one i had as a valuable agreement is uh and you mentioned google docs as an example but like where do we store things so if mm -hmm. If I need a piece of information or a particular artifact related to a thing that we are working on, whether that's like a mind map or an image or a HTML file or anything, 
it is really helpful to not have to wonder where I'm going to have to go looking for that. It is really helpful to know where we're all putting things like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, And I kind of feel like this should go under, you know, like your your defined terms and rules of engagement and communication um you know as signed on on the first of the first of the first or whatever it is <laughs> um but, you know like have this information somewhere so that especially you know life comes at you and sometimes you have to you know focus on another thing be able to pop back and go oh right yeah where was it that we usually stored those assets was it in like an assets folder inside of google drive or were we actually storing them on the server where they'll actually be deployed mm-hmm. so that the client can review them as well like knowing like where stuff is going to go and where stuff is supposed to go and if there are deviations from the norm then they are documented as well um that that's really helpful for everybody just because then you know whenever something inevitably goes wrong because there will be something that goes wrong at some point we get that you know mm-hmm. life happens um then being able to say well you know this was what was in our document and so we clearly had you know a communication failure here or this a particular use case wasn't documented and therefore we did it like this you know well we should document this like you know being able to review things so that you know you know why you thought what you thought, uh, because it's there in probably black and white or another equivalent readable color scheme. Sure. Um, you know, making sure it's it's there so that you can reference it and, and work based on that. And so valuable for us as individuals, too. I mean, like, I know you work in all kinds of different areas, as as does everyone, right? And so I've got, you know, my job, I've got nested folders, I've got a blog, I've got some clients that I support on the side, and all of these projects happen in nuanced, different ways. I need to keep track of that, not just for the people that I work with, you know, in each of those streams, but, streams, but for myself as well, like, just to make sure that... I know what all of these things are when I come back to them after, you know, switching between, you know, different modes of working. Yes, exactly. Um, And especially when things flow differently from one project to the other or from one group to the other. And Mm -hmm. they will, you know, there there will always be at least one tiny little thing that's different, Um, whether that's because you're working with one person who spells Scotty with a Y and another person who spells it with an IE, or simply because, you know, this project runs this way and that project runs that way because they originally came from two completely different departments and, you know, you've maintained the way that things run. Um, you know, it, it's worth having that so that you can, you can use that as a frame of reference. Yeah, absolutely. Um, also why, um, <laughs> one other thing that and I'm interested in your perspective on this too, um, is, um, having agreements up front about, um, when things sort of escalate or when we need to get bosses involved or something like that, because we can't come to a decision either because, we're at a debate oriented impasse or because we don't have the necessary um, information or access to information to be able to make a given decision. Um, Have you found any, have you ever had um, instances where you've been able to sort of pre-decide what that could look like or uh, anything like that? So uh, I've worked on setting up escalations inside of a ticket system before, and that was a real eye-opener because you can't decide that for like a per project group. You have to decide that pretty much, you know, relatively globally as a baseline for when you're inducting new people into a brand new system that they've never used anything like that before. You know, we had so many departments who'd never used a ticket system who were using a ticket system. They were Mm. like, what's the default? 
And I'm like, the system didn't come programmed with defaults. Uh, <laughs> let me get back to you on that. And then it's like, okay, so we need to sit down and figure out defaults for escalating things. Like, you know, passing things to managers. And what does a manager mean? Because, oh my gosh, that is a concept. You know, like, do you, do, does, do you need to escalate things to the other person's manager? Or is there a another person who should, you know, come in and mediate or handle whatever this is that's coming up um and so usually in my case it's it's been deciding and imposing these things on other people because i've had them imposed on me as well um (laughs) but um you know that's not always a bad thing because especially you know if if you work with other systems where there's escalation built in it can be a very awkward topic the first time you bring up it you know like so what do we do if you don't do your job like eh, really kind of can if you phrase it like that you're probably not going to get on very well with these people because you're implying that you're assuming that they're not going to do what they're supposed to do which of course you're expecting them to do the right thing um but just saying like oh hey like our usual system for escalations means that if we don't do this um then you need to go and talk to this person does that work for you um you know like kind of implying that like there's a norm on your side Mm -hmm. and like saying like asking them if that's okay for them like that usually volunteers a response of oh yeah we have something similar like if there's any issues you just need to contact this person um and it kind of feels like you're not accusing them of doing something because having that conversation well that could go wrong easily i winced a little i I, i'm not gonna lie yeah i mean i would never say that in person of of course. course but you know like for the sake of the podcast we have to pretend no um but you know like if you if you say things wrong it can come across that way and especially if you're communicating with people elsewhere where you're not you can't see them they're in a different time so maybe they're in a different country there you know there could be hundreds of little differences you know just imagine that that gets taken the wrong way um you know and you know you, you kind of just need to think outside of your cultural box as well as your job box here uh, right. for some of this stuff because it it can really you know have many implications um and i kind i i personally feel though i'm probably going to get feedback now that this is the wrong way to do it but i kind of feel like saying like hey if like if there's a problem on our side then our usual procedure is that the escalations go to here like is that okay with you like here's this information like that usually like does not get anybody's hackles raised or ruffle feathers they're just like okay like i don't think i need this information but cool like now i have it (laughs) yeah and i think there's a couple of really cool um aspects to that too as you as you talk through that and one is being you know this opportunity to leverage in place norms and reconfirm them as you get new people coming into the circle so we can say hey in general there is a way of working but it's up it's up for discussion you know would you like to discuss that or do you want to just go with the air quote default because now it's now it's programmed as default it didn't come with defaults but it has them now um that that's that's great uh and the second is kind of this implied which of our ways of working are the product of action and which are fully systematized in some sort of way so mm-hmm. um are you using tools or systems that have workflows or some such about them that you know take care of things and we don't so we don't have to sweat them so if escalation is a thing that needs to happen you've got a system that does that someone doesn't have to hit the um figure out how to escalate button or something and then and then yeah you know go from there 
Yes. Because, I mean, that, you know, it, I mean, usually if there's an escalation required in a project, it's because something is, is not working for some reason or, you know, you can't make a decision because of something, which means that something's not working. Um, and, you know, then being stuck at this point where it's probably... You know, because these things always are time sensitive, um, you know, like trying to figure out exactly who do you contact and how and how do you not ruffle feathers later. That is much more stressful than having a possibly briefly awkward conversation up front of just saying, hey, you know, we work like this. Does that work for you? Or do you, do you have a system that we should be using? You know, like and getting people on the same page or at least facing pages of the same book. Right. Right. Uh, start with the same book, and then and then get and then get to the right page. Um, yeah. And it, it's interesting too to think about um, for me as as you look at those uh, pages is do you flip ahead or do you flip back? So by that I mean, um, as a group, do you tend to try and um, solve for or define how you'll respond to situations that haven't happened yet ahead of time, or do you agree collectively? we're going to just sort of react to stuff. And I, I, I imagine that a lot of this probably depends on uh, things like legal or regulatory implications, like mm-hmm. how, how much you have to de- define up front. And uh, the key example of this for me is, is like risks on a project. So mm. do you feel like you have to define a lot of mitigation strategies up front for things that might go wrong? Or are we going to agree that like, we are going to just sort of respond as things surface um, or somewhere in between. Yes, uh, because, you know, mitigating, you know, figuring out this stuff in advance, it kind of feels like you're planning for failure. Um, and it's something that I always hate about project planning, you know, like, well, when this goes wrong, I'm going to do that. And it's, it's right. not a when, it's an if. Um, but at the same time, if you work with, you know, certain groups on projects or certain products on projects, then you tend to know what the risks are. You, you know, after two projects or even sometimes one project, you're like, oh, wow. Okay, so we need to plan for this. And it, it, it's nice to, to have that pre-planned and, and put into your documentation system, whatever that is, because that's a tech that can and indeed should be helping you not hindering you if you pick the wrong tech stack to work with other people on um you know you're not going to have agreements you're going to have a stack of disagreements Um, (laughs) and we kind of we kind of want a tech stack that's going to put us towards a a stack of agreements so that we have a successful project um or at least i hope so Uh, if you're looking for an unsuccessful project then uh, well i'm afraid you're probably listening to the wrong podcast boy do i have a notepad.txt for you uh, untitled one, untitled two, untitled three, uh, untitled seventy-two, untitled seventy-two. So, uh, speaking of, then what are some what are some tools or apps you know that maybe we should we should mention? Uh, I mean, we've we've mentioned a few. We've mentioned um, Google. We've mentioned Slack. Uh, what are some other sort of key apps that can be helpful in these sorts of situations? Well, I mean, I, I would really say it depends massively on what you're trying to do. So, for example, when I wrote Built Your OmniFocus Workflow with Ryan Dodson, Ryan was based in Japan at the time, and we did this with Scrivener, which is not a collaborative document editing tool, and Dropbox, which is a collaborative tool. 
Um, and we had a very high tech system where when you hit save and you, you were like, I'm done for the day, you had to close the document because otherwise the other person couldn't open it. Um, because that's the kind of collaboration we were doing. But it was also <laughs> only two of us. Now, I would suggest for the vast majority of people, you're going to need to pick something that's better than that because there's room for error in there. And I was guilty more than once of accidentally leaving the document open and putting my laptop to sleep. Um, so, uh, that, that was not good, but I would suggest, you know, like start by looking at, you know, like, what is it that you need to handle? Like if you need to figure out like what time is it where other person is, then you're going to need something like CalZones or Fantastical or another time zone application that can help you because you'll be able to see what time it is there. Or if you're going to be ha having a lot of meetings with these people, then um, something like WhenWorks, full disclosure, that's that's mine, I own that. Um, or Calendly, where you can send people a link and it'll be like, okay, here is like a block of, like, here's like when I've said that I'm available for this kind of appointment. So this goes back to the maker and the manager thing. You can decide that you only want to talk to these people in the morning mm -hmm. um, and for 45 minutes at a time, never more. Um, and then you can send them a link and then they can pick a time without having to do the back backwards and the forwards with the email. Um, right. And in many ways, I find this better than using internal booking tools because internal booking tools do not take into account your personal preferences. Um, and the fact that maybe you have something in your personal calendar, like a dentist appointment, or, you know, you've got to take your dog to the vet or whatever, um, you know, they, they don't take that into account. Um, and so sometimes it, it's good to branch out of the tech that's provided for you. But at the same time, of course, if your business is providing you with a whole series of tech, the advantage is that people ought to be familiar with it. Um, and if they provide it to you, then you should be in the free and clear to use this from, you know, all perspectives, legal, moral, etc. as far as right. they're concerned. Um, so you need to figure stuff out. But I, I personally would definitely, if you're working with people outside of your time zone, uh, suggest a, a, a time zone management application of some kind, just because it does make life easier. Like being able to swipe over and be like, oh, right, okay, well, it's like 3 a.m. Scotty time. That explains why I shouldn't be expecting a response on Slack. Probably. Probably. Um, although, and, and sometimes the uh, limitations can be valuable too. Like I suspect that, you know, you're in your Scrivener, Scrivener uh, example, um, having the document locked so that, you know, two people aren't, you know, possibly changing the same thing at the same time with, with a super small team, maybe that's actually a beneficial constraint. I don't know. Mm -hmm. it, it could be, you just, you, you, your team has to be familiar with how this works because especially if people need to be able to open the document for reference um, and somebody else is editing it and it's locked. So you can't even do that. Um, th then you're going to have problems. So you you need to establish these boundaries early on. And this is going back to what we said at the beginning, you know, you need to talk to the other people. And when something's not working, you need to say, hey, like, I think actually we're having a bit of a problem here. Scrivener's not working out so great. Maybe we should try Google Docs. It's not as great for writing books, perhaps, but we can both write at the same time. What do you think? Right. Um, and, you know, let them come up with other suggestions if they're they're not happy with that solution. I think if I'd suggested writing Build Your OmniFocus Workflow in Google Docs to Ryan, I would probably no longer exist. I might have been evaporated off the face of the earth um, by his glare because it, it wouldn't have been as, as good as Scrivener. Like, that's the thing. You have to pick the right tool for the job. If you're mm -hmm. not using the right tool, then you're going to struggle. And take the time to agree on it. So Yes, exactly. And maybe that's exactly where we put a pin in this for the week. Uh, that's at Rosemary Orchard. Uh, where might people find out more about you on the internet? 
Yes, you can find me over at uh, rosemaryorchard.com. That has links to everything. So I have a micro.blog. I have Twitter. I have Instagram. Um, I have a, a micro uh, like side of my site, which is all micro.blog. And all of the other fancy and cool things. Uh, Scotty, where can people find you? Uh, I can be found at heyscottyj.com and by the same name at heyscottyj on Twitter and Instagram. Wonderful. And you can also find the show over at nestedfolderspodcast.com where you can get links to open it in all of your favorite podcast players. And you can also send us feedback there. Or if you're more of the Twitter kind of person, you can send us feedback at Nested Folders on Twitter. And we do love to hear it. We sure do. So thanks for taking the time to tweet with us. Uh, And until next time, take care, Rose. Goodbye, Scotty.